morning again. Um, actually, before I start the start the study, um, you know, this this week I think all of us have had to face um, issues to do with death, threats, family members. Well, it's family members. Yes. As in today? No, no, last week. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, let's just stop and have that conference so we don't forget. Father, just thank you for this opportunity to give us for prayer. Praying before you, um, Candy's dad. We pray definitely for healing the importance of your will. We pray for comfort, not only for him, but also for the entire family. Yes. Stay. Um, seek to make decisions, both them and the healthcare providers. Um, grant them wisdom, grant them comfort. And just Father, we pray that your plan would be seen. It would be a source of comfort. The overall plan that you have for all of us, um, us, our parents, our spouses, our family members. Father, we, we know that indeed you care for us, those of us that. You call your own. And you just entrust all of these prayer matters to your care, bound to your wisdom. May you be honored and glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, Sister Modena, um, our brothers and sisters at BFM, with um, Miles Monroe, Richard Pinder, the Parks, um, the Pilots. Actually, Stanley Thurston, who was the pilot, I knew him from when I was a little boy. Um, we used to go to the Lutheran church together. You know, I'd always see him in the bank and we talk about the old times and this and that and all that sort of stuff. So I think everybody in this country had some connection. And definitely during this, this particular week, um, there is that the whole issue of death came up and a lot of people despair. See this huge tragedy, um, almost the end of the world type thing. But we as Christians, yes, we grieve, yes, we mourn, we miss. But we also have a great hope, and we should always maintain a certain perspective when we think of death. It comes to us all. And one thing my dear Brother Wilfredsaw used to say, you know, Brother World, just got to prepare. It's got to be prepared. And actually, that was the last conversation I had with Wilfred Sawyer before he passed. It was an early week in the Iwana, at an Iwana meeting. Because every, every Iwana meeting, Wilfred and I would talk for about 10 minutes, at least. As long as Wilfred got started, it was kind of hard to stop it. Um, but the one thing that, that comforted me um, was a psalm in Psalm 116 where it says, worse of the fact, blessed in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. The Lord rejoices when his saints go to him. The Lord has been missing them while they're down here, but they've been doing his work. And now he has called them. It's as if we've kicked them out or they're falling short. He has called them. Um, and they are comforted, and they are where 
they've been trying to be while they were down here. Um, so it is not the end of the world. We do have hope. And they are actually living that hope that we have. So let's be reminded of that. And but also let's keep in prayer um, the family at BFM. Because like our country and even our own assembly, they are now at the crossroads. And great work can be done for the Lord through what has happened. It can create a diaspora where people leave and they are forced now to go forward and work more for the Lord. It can cause a consolidation where that church actually strengthened and it can allow a great out, a great out, a greater outreach or it can be a cause of division. Let's pray that it's not the latter. God's work is so obvious and clear in that group that they can see it and he is praised and glorified as himself. And we really have to lift him up in prayer because Miles Monroe, and it isn't that they agree with everything Miles Monroe did or it was the same, but he had a huge impact around the world. And a lot of people came to know the Lord as a result of Miles Monroe. Um, and we don't want his passing to cause the word to be diminished. If anything, because of his passing, the Lord should be glorified. Because Miles Monroe's ministry should not have been about Miles Monroe. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think he would be rather annoyed, or I hope he would be rather annoyed, if that's the way it's felt. It's about Jesus Christ. It's the good news of redemption and the great hope that we have as a result of our salvation. That's the kingdom message. Let's continue in the word of um, in the word of God. We continue in Genesis. Um, we're looking at um, at Joseph, and what's happened so far is Joseph has been betrayed, he's been imprisoned, he's been forgotten, he's been on hard times, and if he is like what you would call normal people, he would be very bitter. Let's see what his response is like. And if I'm not my jump off and usual self, I'm trying to stay calm for the time being. You want to share it? No, no, I rather stand. Um, overcoming bitterness. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Surprise, surprise. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come near me. I got a secret to tell you. I'm Joseph, your brother, the one you all sold in Egypt. Now, before, please don't peek at the now. You peeked, didn't you? Uh, I guess we all know how the story goes. But just think about this capsule, this, this moment in time. Joseph's brothers have been sent by their father because they are feeling the pinch of the famine. They need some food. And, he's, and Jacob has heard that there's food in Egypt. So he says, he says, okay boys, I want you to go to Egypt and see if you can get some food for me. Right? And they run into this fella who's 
you know, large in charge, meet him. They're talking with him. You know, and he's been challenging them. And they're thinking, you know, our lives may be in danger now. You know, you know who is this fellow? Okay? So that's the setting. And then he springs this thing on them. And, and this is in quick succession now. And remember the history. These fellows tried to kill this gentleman. Who's their brother? I am Joseph. Is my father still living? What's it, what's it we, we say over people used to say? Anyway, it's like spirit appeared before them. All of a sudden. Right? I mean, if they were, if any time in their life they were going to have a heart attack, it would be now. Right? This fellow is supposed to be gone. I am Joseph, is my father still living? And this is, well, not only is this Joseph, but this is the fellow they're depending upon to, for them to survive. But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't repeat I'm Joseph or only joking or anything like that. Come close. As in, well, if I was one of the brothers, okay, the end is near. Is he going to kill me now? Please come near me. And they came near. Well, they were pretty brave, but I guess they didn't have a choice. And he tells them who he is. Not only who he is, with what they did to him, which wasn't pleasant. Yeah. Now, you know, I hear a lot about forgive and forget. Okay? Well, what's clear right here is Joseph did not forget. Joseph did not forget. Because he's reminding them not only who he is, but what they did. To him. And being sold into well, being sold isn't pleasant. Being sold into Egypt is a terrible thing, yes, Shadwell. Uh, the same with when Joseph's mind person is uh, just to dwell uh many clear uh, among the young people that you meet someone and, and you haven't seen this in a while, especially a lot of young people. And if you haven't seen this person in a while, you know, especially with a lot of things that young people be getting into these days, mm -hmm. and you say, Remember me? Sometimes they be thinking like, but I, but I go to the sky, you know, so what, remember me? You know, you're just saying, you're just trying to say, I know you from the past, right? Right. But you can watch it, and, and in today's time, somebody say, remember me, and you're like, what, I did this guy? Or, or, you know, you want to have any offense against this guy? And Joseph would tell them, you know, uh, he, he reminded them of what they did there, and so forth. So they may be thinking like, you know, uh, consequences for the actions. Okay, but the other thing to remember about this is this really sets, this is really the setting for what's to come. What comes in, comes in rapid succession with lots of things happening. But the root of all of Joseph's problems, he could point back to his brothers. Because the nomads, however the nomads treated them, it only could have happened because he was sold to the nomads. You know, Potiphar's wife betrayal. If he was back with Jacob, 
probably wouldn't happen. Being forgotten in a prison? Well, he wouldn't have been in prison as Jacob. Because no. dad loves this son. Right? So everything that's happened in David, to David, he could blame on his brothers. His whole history, after he left his father's house that day, he could blame on his brothers. Right? Now, do you think it's likely? Let's put Joseph in our place. The betrayal, the slavery, the imprisonment, the um, being forgotten, all of those things. Do you think we would remember those things throughout this period? But also, at this point in time, Joseph is now the head of Pharaoh's house. He is father to Pharaoh. And not father like father's son, but chief advisor. Right? He, is, he is second only to Pharaoh as far as rulership of the land. Okay? He is in a great place. Would we also blame that position on our brothers? What do you think is the likely human response? How much of David's, sorry, how much of Joseph's history do you think he would blame on his brothers? Anybody? But do you think he'd also associate his current position on his brothers, or would he associate his current position on what he did to get him to that place? What I'm trying to say is quite often, whatever's bad in our life, we can blame on someone else. That was good in our life. We take credit for ourselves. We're very biased. We're very biased. No. Because we are only capable of good things. Yeah. And, you know, like us, we can blame our parents. You know, this is the environment my parents raised me in. This is, you know, whatever. But when we start to prosper, all of a sudden, we want to take responsibility for that too. And as you can, as well, actually, let me move on. So I don't want to speak to Joseph. And now he starts to calm them down a bit and see what Joseph's response to his situation, to his history is. And now, don't be worried or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his household, and ruler of all the land of Egypt. In our previous studies, we can always see God was with him, God was with him, God was with him. Even in the midst of, you would say, disaster, tragedy, I mean, difficulty, God was with him. Joseph never ascribed any of the goodness in his life to him. Even when he was asked to interpret dreams, he said, only God can do that. 
And so basically, what I'm going to tell you is coming from God. And actually, that was a step of faith for him. Because he was trusting God to give him the answer so he could pass it on to these people. As far as he was concerned, he was in the center of God's plan. God wasn't in the center of his plan. And quite often, we figure, you know, the world revolves around us. God has to do this to make me whatever, so that I can be whatever. What we need to realize is we are here so that we can be such and such for God, to be used by God. Because God has us here for a specific purpose. We are part of God's plan. Basically, we are to be used by God rather than we are using God for our purposes. Now, don't be worried or angry with yourselves selling me here. Because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. Now, this is a good example of human relationships and interaction. Because what you need to, one of the things we need to realize is that when there is disagreement, where there is any breakdown in a relationship, it's not very likely that it's going to move forward until there's forgiveness. Forgiveness is so important. Because without that forgiveness, bitterness takes root. And bitterness really doesn't do anything for us. It doesn't help us at all. The word says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It's a serious thing. And I think I've mentioned it before, I've said it before, I'm sure, and it doesn't originate with me, because I heard it elsewhere. Things like bitterness and anger and wrath. The analogy is, it's like swallowing a poison pill, expecting the other person to die. Joseph never despaired. He didn't give up. Because as far as he was concerned, the Lord was with him. Listen, to stay the course, do what's right. And what he's telling his brothers is, listen brothers, don't be worried or angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because, listen, what you try to work for bad, God has worked for good. And whatever God's plan is, it's going to happen, no matter how you try to frustrate it, okay? And God sent me ahead of you to preserve life, really, your life. So I'm not holding it against you, because you're part of God's plan too. Pharaoh is part of God's plan. This is someone that didn't know God. So when we face issues where people have wronged us, those people uh, closest to us have betrayed us. They have, like we like to say, they lied on us. Have, and they have put us, and our lives have seemed to suffer because of the actions of others. Try and take a much larger perspective. What is God working out here? The opportunity to forgive. It would be a wonderful opportunity to present the gospel 
by the way we live. And the thing is, forgiving others can bring healing to us also. Because we're letting go of something that we've been holding on to that's been eating out of us. Joseph didn't let it get that point where he harbored bitterness. And when we harbor bitterness, it's like a cancer inside of us. We need to clean it out. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. Again, he says, God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land. I'm being used by God. Look at it that way. I'm being used by God. You are actually used by God so I could get here. When we are in difficulty, like when I was in my valley of death, not the shadow of death, the greatest relief I could get is to realize that I was still in the center of God's will. I may not know the extent to which my witness has affected others, but if I had a terrible witness during that time, I can tell you, God is going to be glorified. But if I was able to stay the course and have a good and strong witness, God is glorified. It's the same thing with us. <clears throat> the world says, don't you turn evil for evil. But that's bitterness. That's what bitterness does. Therefore, it is not you who sent me here, but God. I sometimes I say this when I'm speaking with people who are who are in you know like husbands and wives, those sorts of people. When you look at that person that's gay using the common vernacular, yucking up your vexation. Internalize something, but also verbalize something. When you look at that person, and you find it difficult to say, I love you. Look at them through God's eyes and internally say, God loves you. And then you can say, I love you. But please don't say, the only reason why I can say I love you is because, you know, only God loves you. Just internalize that God loves you a bit so you can say, I love you. Because God is using that person in your life for a great world. Hey, God. He's saying, God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. There's some people, like I actually I've got two sons. One son, the threat of a spanking would cause instant compliance for the next year. The other son, a spanking meant absolutely nothing had to be something, I mean, amazing for him to comply. This is one point in their lives. There are some people that need this great thing. And the great thing might be me. Because they've treated me so badly, so terribly, that really, I should try to kill them. But what do I do instead? I shower love on them. I will stop them in their tracks. Or maybe 10, 15 years down the road, and they think about their life, they have a chance to wonder, you know, people who come through their lives, I might stand out 
my goodness. That's the only person that ever treated me well. I wonder why. Pick up the phone. Can we talk? You never know what godly behavior can result in. Joseph stayed the course. And he was aware that wherever he was, was because God wanted him there. And he still needed to be obedient, no matter where he was. And that's the same thing for us. We need to be obedient. That's what the Lord requires of us. Actually, he prefers obedience to sacrifice. Just for us, you know, we may say sacrifices, paying money, doing something at church. But are we doing that to avoid what the Lord really wants us to do? Actually get in the trenches and live that life that he requires of us, how difficult it is, how embarrassing it may seem. Even if it may seemingly ruin our reputation at some point in time, the Lord still requires us to be obedient. And sometimes he chooses those people, those the least likely person, to carry out the greatest acts, and that may be us. Take us totally out of our comfort zone. Yeah. Joseph, if he stayed in his father's house, he'd never get to this point. Maybe he would rely on dad rather than on God. What are we relying on? What gives us comfort? What brings us stability? Are we willing to let go of that? And just walk out in faith, in obedience to God. Say, Lord, this moves me. Let me know what you want. And now Joseph is telling them what has happened to them, what has happened to him, because of what they did. Notice, he doesn't give them a whole history of, you know, Potiphar's wife and imprisonment and the forgetfulness. Here's what he tells him. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. So, okay, fellas, I've forgiven you. I know what you did. It wasn't really you, it was God. So you're off the hook. But look what God did. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his household, and ruler of all the land of Egypt. He's put me on the mountaintop. I'm at the mountaintop, not because I worked so hard and I was so honest and upright that I was able to get out of prison and Pharaoh liked me, but because God put me there. And because God put me there, I have no choice, as far as I'm concerned, but to be faithful and obedient to him. That should be our approach to that. God has blessed us so much. God has done so much for us. We have no choice but to be obedient. That's our desire. That's our joy. Any comments? Yeah, uh, God gave him a glimpse into this, and I wonder what. Me, Joseph. Yeah, two dreams. Mm -hmm back in Thaddeus chapter 37. Uh, I wonder what, whether the brothers thought of this, 
back then? On that no, now, okay. because you remember the first screen was when he, they were buying sheaves, sheaves right. and his sheaves stood up and mm-hmm. all of their sheaves bowed down to him, and then the moon and the stars. Moon and stars, that's right. And, 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 and the sun, moon, and stars. Star, yeah, uh, bow down to him. And that's that's where I think the hatred begins. That's right. Uh, and I wonder what they're saying now. Because it's, it's, it has already happened. It's come to pass. Uh, so far, only thing was left to happen was to bring his dad and mom down and let them bow down. The sun and moon. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, 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 it's, it's amazing. But, uh, and he could have, when he looked back at what he probably recognized as Gohan when he was in the prison and all, he could have gone, oh, what about what I thought was going to happen? This ain't greatness. No. <laughs> That's right. This is not great. Actually, it's quite the opposite. Yes. And actually, there's no comment about the brothers. How they're feeling about this itself, I can tell you for a fact. It must be great relief. It must be great relief. And Joseph is actually seeing God's promises come to pass in his life through obedience. Let's go ahead, You know, although you want to put story out. Uh, there's a part when the brothers actually thought about uh, Joseph when they thought the evil that was coming on and they had the money for the sap. Right. They thought about Joseph and said the sap and the sap and the sap and the Yeah. So uh, that play, you know, this is a big shot for to say I am Joseph, you know. I mean, but as I know, said, that could be a heart attack moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easily a heart attack moment. Or just, you know, can I run? <laughs> But surely I'm about to die. See a light flash before your eyes. You know the um, is it the lemons in our life? Rather than seeing how they affect us, let's see God's plan, how they can be used for God's glory, and as a result of them, how we can be used for God's glory. And I needed that reminder right then to Realized God's perspective. Right. And I'm thankful for that. And, and it's come back several other times when we were sitting in the office. A, a pessimist. A pessimist, okay. Sees obstacles and opportunities. Mm-hmm. And an optimist sees opportunities and obstacles. Mm-hmm. You know, when Jesus was going to the cross, he said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all things onto me. So, although, you know, although that, I think he looked more like an optimist, he, he sort of could, the cross could look, instead of seeing, you know, uh, instead of seeing, uh, seeing it as a negative thing, he made lemons. He made lemonade out of lemons. He made lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> and that's a good attitude for us to have. Um, 
because you know we are here to glorify God, and God isn't going to frustrate His purpose, His own purpose. So the things that come our way, we should know. We should be able to, before they come our way, we should know that whatever comes our way, there is a way for us to glorify God in it. It's just for us to stay focused, find it, and be obedient to it. Trust, 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 and obey. And like you said earlier, today in support. Uh, you said, uh, you said, uh, never know what results the kind of being or something like that. Uh, something like that along that line. I understood results, you know, that yep. form okay. from doing body games or something like that. You said earlier today. Well, my whole thing is being obedient. Is obedient to God. And then you never know what results. You never know where that's going to go. We don't determine that. Sometimes, Project. sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes, sometimes we kind of, you know, that joke I tell, we got hanging over the cliff. Yes. You know, uh, Everybody heard that joke, right? Yeah, yeah. I know you heard the joke, because you laughed. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, it's like, we get to a point where, you feel embarrassed, you feel like God ways and working and you yeah. try to use the word the wordy methods. You yeah. try to say that I can help you God uh, you know, maybe you want it maybe maybe this is what you mm-hmm. want to be done. I think you everyone know, in this room has been there. You know, and you know, you feel like obedience, you know, people knocking on. You know, sometimes I had a friend who said but I try to be a good say, that's what you practice in. And they know I was practicing, but I don't think these guys know I practicing, but they ain't practicing. But it caused, a, it caused me to shy away. But uh, uh, now, now uh, I still get to that point where I don't uh, trust God as much as I should. But, you know, in this Sunday school, the motivation speech, I feel more like <coughs> seeing what, 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 what results come, could come from being obedient to God. Because sometimes we don't look at the end result. We look at the here and now. I feel this now. You know, so this is what I need to do now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're not thinking down the road. Mm-hmm. And in business, uh, one gentleman said, of the school said, it isn't important where you are or where you are or where you're going. Yeah. Once you have the proper direction, because you know a lot of these sayings, they're good, but unless there's a godly perspective added to it, there's nothing but good sayings. There's nothing but good sayings, um, you know, because we need to be God-directed. I don't care how many books or dummies we read or how many. Uh, do-it-yourself books we read, or we get our PhDs. You know, if you take a direction from those things, we're still going to find ourselves running the ground. 
you can find that a person without any of this learning, without any of this, um, what should I say, this, this background, this intellectual background, accomplishes more in their lifetime just by being obedient to God, knowing God's word and being obedient to it. So, the amount of time that we spend, you know, um, being up to date on the news through all of these, um, through cable, etc., all the books that we read, if we use those as a replacement for the Word of God, we still don't have a problem. We still don't have a problem. They sound nice, they, they seem to work. If we still don't have a problem. Uh, Apply them with godly wisdom. Yes. Yeah, I had a same journey with that book. The book is called the Marketing Day by Dr. Dr. Stewart, David Stewart, or something like that. Uh, it's a book written generally. God is mentioning it, but it's not like. Then they had a Bible quote with faith that they were mountains, but it was then more uh, a physical version. It was just uh, awesome like that. But these are the things that get these results. Yeah, but there are things like that that, I mean, let me put it this way. If I, like, okay, the story that you told, you being distracted and you stubbed your toe, well, if you close your eyes and you keep on walking, yeah, you're going to walk into a wall. Yeah, that's not, there's nothing magical about that. That's just pure common sense. But, who directs your path? I mean, a lot of these books, they like to say, you know, you can you can accomplish anything once you try, or once you work diligently. Well, that's a lie. You know, you know what the book place is the highest? Uh, and obviously, God is our first priority. And our work is our first priority. Then the whole community. So, you know, as I read that, the influence of the I say, you know, sport is the first priority, then I died after them. That's good. Because before I just close with this, I have the natural one. Um, even on channels like TBN, etc., you've got many speakers that are great motivational speakers. But see how they apply the word of God to what they say. Quite often you've got, you may have 40 minutes of motivation and two seconds of a bit of scripture. Be careful. We have to study the word of God so that we can be discerning between the lie and the truth. Now, because it comes from a so-called person of God, doesn't mean it's God's word. You have to be able to distinguish. And very quickly, Joseph says, Return quickly to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Again, you know, Joseph can't quick enough to say, God did this in my life. Come down to me without delay. And that's something that we should pattern ourselves after. To God be the glory. This is what God has done. Not what I have done. This is what God has done through me. Come down to me without delay. You can settle in the land of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your sheep, cattle, 
and all you have. There I will sustain you, for there will be five more years of famine. Otherwise, you, your household, and everything you have will become destitute. Yeah. What does God promise to these people? They'll never be destroyed. Joseph is the means for that to continue. All in God's plan. We are all in God's plan. Jesus is coming back to redeem his people. Sorry, to take these people away. We are part of the plan. One of the last things he said was spread the gospel. We have that responsibility. By all means possible. Yes, Jacob. Uh, so close, and we close now. Uh, you know, I had a message that about sin, you know, say. About sin? Yeah, about sin. He said in the middle of the word sin, it's I. I, you know, with this, yeah, you know, we've got through the same God. You know, at the time, I think we ourselves, some of us, you know, we're like some glory. We're like a say, I did it on my own strength. I did this. I did it my. So, you know, uh, but it's good though, and that's something I see you get in trouble with I. Okay. You know, if you focus on God's way, God is this, and you be humble, uh, I is like, I is like pride. Yeah. You start thinking, I start, most, for most part, that's like pride. But if you be humble and say, God did this, and God did that, then you can find yourself receiving the grace and the blessing of God. Oh, yeah. And grace and the blessing of God. I can say from personal experience, there's nothing greater on this earth. That's the spoken word. Father, again, thank you for your word and lessons that you give us. For the application to our lives, Father, we pray that as we are challenged, we will be obedient. That we will gain victory through your strength. That we will seek you in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we plan. Father, we just pray that. Continue to bless us as we leave, that you direct our paths, where we go, what we do. And we just pray that you be glorified in our lives. And all, all those that have come into contact with us, know that we are yours by all that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.